Hey guys, what's going on? Really excited to share this show with you. This is a show about a new Wheel the Wheel series called Spec Corvette. So C5 Corvettes. We sit down with Oli Thordarson and John Nguyen and talk about the creation of the series and how the cars are built. So make sure you stay tuned. It is a quickly, quickly growing series. And already at race four, I believe they had 10 cars. So make sure you start shopping for your C5 Corvette now before they start going up in price, just the same way Miatas have with Spec Miata. Also want to let you guys know that Speed Ventures will be at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, Friday, April 27th, and Saturday and Sunday, the 28th and 29th. There are group discounts available, as well as new drivers to Speed Ventures discounts available, and a few other options as well. So if you're interested, please send an email to info at speedventures.com. You can find out more at speedventures.com. With that being said, let's start the show. Welcome everybody to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot, and today I'm in Irvine, California, with the creators of Spec Corvette, uh, John Nguyen and Ole Thord Arson. What's going on, guys? How you doing, Austin? Thanks for coming down. Yeah, thanks for making the time. I, I know it's uh, it's late after business hours. It's like 7 p.m. Hopefully we won't be here until 11. Uh, <laughs> 10.30 is fine, I guess, but 11 is a little too late. Uh, but really appreciate you guys making the time for me. Thank you. So, uh, Spec Corvette is kind of a, a new series that's just kind of started up. I believe the first race was, what, back in beginning of February, right? Yeah, so I think, yeah, the first race was uh, February at uh, Buttonwillow. Yep. And uh, we had a few cars out there. Basically, that was like a, a test and tune, kind of get the cars together, kind of look at everybody's uh, setup and make sure everything is correct, get the weights down, and really meet all the different drivers and stuff like that. So, it was a really... You know, a great time for everybody to just get together and figure out where their series is going and, and what we're doing and, and how the cars are getting built and stuff like that and learn a lot from each other. So it was a pretty exciting first race. So lots of fun there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way the format worked out, I guess you guys technically there were four timed races. There were two races each day. Um, so you guys were running with the, the Super Miata guys who we've had on before. Um, and the way that format works, you know, you would race one race for, I believe, about five laps, and then you'll stop, you'll pretty much invert the grid from where it was, and then go at it again. So it's kind of a, a unique format um, in, the, in the sprint racing world. So. Yeah, I call it a super sprint. I don't know what other people call it, but yeah, it's a really short race, and uh, inverting the field um, keeps the racing really really close you never have a chance you know in a even in a 30 minute race you can get pretty spread out and for half the field or more it can turn into a track day where you're just out lapping for 25 30 minutes maybe not 30 minutes but for 25 20 20 minutes uh in this format you go out you race hard for 10 or 12 minutes um, we take the finishing order from the race and we flip it around and the last guy is first and the first guy's last and, and there's a lot of passing. Everything's really close and it's really high energy. It's also great for developing racecraft because 
you're always in the thick of traffic with other cars and being forced to pass and you got to get it done quick you don't have 30 minutes to set up a series of passes and work your way through the field you got to make it happen like right now Right. You know, I think it's a, a good way for people to get their feet wet in wheel to wheel racing, both from that aspect, but also from the fact that they're not having to necessarily stay focused for a 40 minute sprint, you know? Right. So they're able to kind of dip their feet in wheel to wheel racing without having to commit mentally to being, you know, that focused for that amount of time. Because I know for a lot of people going from track days into wheel to wheel stuff, that's a, a big thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, they'll start losing focus around that. 20, 25 minute mark yeah. where they would, you know, normally be coming in after a track day session. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. One of the one of the, the coolest things about Spec Corvette I think is super valuable, besides the cars being all equal and the, the build cost being under twenty thousand dollars where it's accessible to everybody. It's not just the cars in, in the series itself, it's it's the people um, that we have involved with it. People like Oli, uh, other Trans Am drivers, GT two car or people that that have a lot of experience veteran racers and um you know you mentioned it's an easy way to get into wheel-to-wheel racing well that's exactly one of the reasons why this was started was exactly for that reason you know i i I did track days uh you know for the last five years and i was kind of getting bored with the whole thing and i i met oli and he was running an secca nasa st2 with his corvette and I'd be helping him with his uh, his car, crewing for him, and traveling around the country, uh, you know, helping out. For me, the experience was great. It's I always wanted to get into wheel to wheel. I just didn't know how to do it. You know, how could I one afford it, two be competitive, and three be fast? You know, like I, I just couldn't do all those three things. So with Spec Corvette, you know, you put it all together with a group of guys that want to help you. And uh, you get a lot of veteran racers out there, a lot of different people from different backgrounds. You get time attack guys, you get the Trans Am guys, you get track day guys, and all that experience we put together. And it it really makes it easier for the entry-level individual like myself and a couple other people to say, okay, we're done with track days. What's next? You know, here's the next step. And, you know, guys like Oli will help you through that. You know, uh, a good example is what the super school you know, a year ago we did the super school and Oli came and crewed for us because he has the experience. He knows what we need to do as far as the car and, and uh, you know, what we're up against so that we could kind of get adjusted to what wheel to wheel is like. And he, he did the same thing for the super school. Uh, what, three weeks ago, was it? About three, four for weeks four ago. Four weeks yeah. ago um, for three brand new spec Corvette drivers. So you actually lent the car, lent your car out to uh, Chris Bayoski from Attraction. And uh, he went through the school, and you guys, you were doing, helping the guys get through, you know, gassing the cars up, changing the brakes. You changed my brakes <laughs> after the, one of the races, which is great, um, because you know how intense it can be to get in the wheel-to-wheel, that mental thing, exactly what you're talking about. And um, to help get through that and, and become a wheel-to-wheel driver is, is a tremendous thing, you know, and that's what the series is all about. It's about bringing great people in, having other veterans help them become better drivers and develop a wheel-to-wheel racer from it. Right. Now, before we get too far into Spec Corvette and, you know, maybe some of the other things that, that make it special, uh, what are your guys' driving backgrounds? You know, Oli, I, I know, you know, we're sitting in your office. I see a couple of trophies around. Uh, <laughs> one of them, the, the largest one in here is for the, uh, it looks like 2017 Trans Am uh, series. So, you know, obviously looking around, you've been 
driving for, for quite a while, but where did you get your start and, and what all have you competed in? So if I go all the way back, I, you know, started motorcycle riding, dirt bike riding when I was a kid and I started racing competitively there. Um, got pretty good, did that for a number of years. Um, then quit for a while, started a family, started riding again in my 30s and competing, doing pretty good there. It was in a club with a group of pretty hardcore riders that were, you know, definitely not, uh, you know, boomer class, uh, you know, age riders at the time. We were about 40-something years old. They were doing like hair scrambles and stuff then, or was uh, it motocross? All or? kinds of stuff, yeah. Okay. And uh, so... Anyway, I bought a Z06, a 2004 Z06. I come home, post it to the, my club writing buddies, and one of the guys says, hey, you're going to take it to the track. And I, I just remember typing back, you know, racetrack, question mark? Because in my mind, I was going, huh? And in my mind, to go on a racetrack, you had to have a race license, a cage, a fire system, all roll cage, all kinds of stuff. And, and he goes, yeah, the racetrack. And I just, that's when I wrote back and I just wrote, huh? And a question mark. And, uh, and he basically went on to explain to me a track day. I go, well, that sounds kind of cool. I show up with a helmet and my jeans and my car and I go out and do my first track day. And, uh, I think I'm going to be a really bitching driver <laughs> and I'm going, I'm, I'm really good on a bike and two wheels. And I have been for a long time. I know how to pick a line. I know how to nail it and, you know, I know how to threshold break and all these kinds of things. And I go out on the track and I'm like the biggest lame ass. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, after a couple of sessions, I'm realizing that driving a car around a track at about two to four times the speed of what you do off road um, on about 10 times the footprint and, you know, about six times the weight or about 10 times, actually about 10 times the weight of a, of a bike and all that. Um, that it was really hard for me to figure out where my braking point should be, where I turn in. And I kind of actually figured that out, but trying to get the car to do it was just, I was awful at it. By the end of the day, I was kind of not so lame, but I was still, I realized I had a long way to go, but I go, this is really bitching. So I'm thinking, I got to do this again. So two weeks later, I'm back out at the track. <laughs> and by now I'm starting to get more of the hang of it. And driving home from that day, I'm totally smitten. I'm going, okay, I got a pickup truck. I'm going to need a trailer. I'll need to buy more wheels. And basically on the two-hour drive home, I put together my plan to go wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing two years. And two years from that month, I bought the race car. Um, three months later, um, I was out racing SCCA. Um, my goal was to make my, the runoffs, the SCCA runoffs my first year, which I did and got to go to Topeka, Kansas and, and, uh, race at the Heartland Park Topeka track. And I was just totally wowed by the other drivers at that track and totally mesmerized with the, the driving that I saw there. And I was watching the GT2 race. I was racing T1 at the time and I thought, wow, there are amateurs here that should be racing pro and there's pros here at this amateur race. I was just stunned by the level of driving that I saw. It was just, it was incredible. And so that was 2007 and I've been um, a voracious wheel-to-wheel -wheel racer since. This year I'll probably be racing uh, on average about two times, two weekends every month okay. for the year. So, you know, what is it, 24 races? And I think, you, yeah, yeah, it's probably gonna be about 24 races or so. Has it been primarily Corvettes for you? Um, for the cars I've owned, it's Corvettes. Um, I've raced BMWs and um, Miatas in um, some other endurance racing. But for all the sprint racing and all that that I've done, it's always been in my own cars, yeah. Okay. Awesome. How long uh, did you race Trans Am for? 
Um, trans, I started Trans Am last year, so last okay. year was my first uh, year in Trans Am. I had a short stint um, in, I think, 2011 doing uh, um, World Challenge, um, but uh, I definitely like Trans Am. It's a blast. Um, very laid back. The service levels are fantastic. It's fun racing with that group, and uh, overall, I'm doing it again this year. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. When's the first race for Trans Am this year? First race is in about five weeks from now at Auto Club Speedway. We end up go, we'll go to Portland, Sonoma, um, Coda, um, Indianapolis. Um, you know that's the West Coast series. I think they might be throwing in Laguna Seca, but I don't think that's been confirmed yet. Okay, nice. Yeah. That'll uh, it'll be a fun fun yeah. season for yeah, you. Yeah, it will be. And to add on top of that, now there's Spec Corvette as well. Oh yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Spec Corvette every month. Yeah, Can't beat that. There you go. Yeah. So, John, what about yourself? You know, what's well, kind of your driving background? I wish I had a, a, a more interesting story like Oli's uh, background. I'm a little more green to track uh, events and whatnot. But, I mean, I've done track days and everything. So, it started pretty much, I think it was in 08. Yeah, when I first started working and uh, started having more money than brains. And uh, I wanted to get a Corvette. That, for some reason, I've always had Mustangs and uh, Trans Ams and everything like that. But... The ultimate was get a Corvette, and I, at that point in time, I had no idea about track days. I, I really never been to one, didn't even know they existed, and this was back in the East Coast in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, so I was looking around for a vet on Corvette Forum, and I ran across a really well-built Z06. It was a O1Z, you know, everything done to it, uh, suspension, you name it, engine, headers. It was just perfectly set up, more car than I could ever know what to do with. And uh, I went, I remember driving to Jersey, looked at the car, it was gorgeous, and I had to have it. So um, the guy wanted, you know, 28 grand for it. And uh, I don't know if he really wanted to sell it to me because it was just so much car. And uh, I remember just, as I asked him, what do you want for it? He said, 28. I said, I'll give you 28 for it. He said, uh, okay. <laughs> he didn't, he, he was so hesitant because I was like, yeah. this 26 year old idiot kid buying a car that was so capable but i just had no idea how capable that car was i just right. thought it was a corvette right and um so i i took the car home and you know he's like here uh you know this comes with the car here comes uh, zr1 wheels with hoosiers on it a couple sets of those and uh some z06 wheels and some reins and stuff like that so i didn't i had no idea what i was doing with those he said hey if you uh if you ever want to do a track event, you know, let me know. I bought a new Z06, a C6Z, and I'll take you. I'll take you with me one day, and we'll you know, we'll do it. I'll instruct you. So we went to Pocono Raceway, and I remember that first uh, track event. And getting on the oval and doing like 160 miles an hour <laughs> and not knowing any better was the most incredible thing that I've ever done. And that's what it all started. Was that? So I started doing track events uh, back on the East Coast, and I did. Uh, yeah, so all the New Jersey Motorsport Park and uh, New York Watkins Glen, I did that a couple times, and I was just pretty much hooked. And uh, so then I moved over to, to California, um, uh, I think it was about six years ago, and just continued the track events. Uh, so I got an S197 Mustang that I do track events with, an Optima. I've done a couple Optima events, and those are super fun. And, uh, you know, the, the track events and all that are great. So I'm just getting a little bored, and that's why this whole thing started. You know, it started to come around. And I met Oli, what, two, three years ago now and uh, at the track. And, um, you know, going to helping him with wheel to wheel, it's just a, I just saw it as another 
that's a whole nother world compared to what I was used to. And I, and I wanted to get into that. I just needed to figure out how. Yeah. 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 Now, you know, where did the idea for spec Corvette come from? You know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of different spec series out there. Yeah. Um, but spec Corvette seems to be kind of one of the newest ones, but it also seems to be a phenomenal value. I mean, the cars really aren't all that expensive, even for a track day car. You know, pretty much for the most part, people go, well, what's the best value per dollar and speed right. uh, out there for a track day car? And for the most part, it's a it's a C5 Z06 Corvette or even just a regular C5 that, you know, you might do some work to eventually. So, like, where where did the, the genesis of spec Corvette come from? Well, I guess you could say I, I, I bought a, a FRC to do track days of uh I'd say two, two, three years ago, is right after I met you, I bought, I found a, an FRC for sixty five hundred bucks. Wow! It had one hundred and nineteen thousand miles on it. Um, and I, it was a Craigslist ad, and I just wanted to get back into a vet because I sold the Z06, and um, I went and picked it up. And I got there and I saw the back tires were shredded. So some whoever they, they parked it, whoever had it, just their kids did a bunch of burnouts with it. They parked the car. And we started it. There's like fluid flying everywhere from the water pumps. I was like, all right, this is this is what I need. I, I can work on this. Start. Yeah, it's a good place yeah. to start. I can work on this thing, and I can get it for a decent price. So, um, loaded it on the trailer with uh, shredded tires and all, and brought it home and started doing track events with it. Um, Oli actually gave me my first set of Hoosiers scrubs and uh, CCWs, and uh, honestly, the car was stock. Stock engine. I ran it with stock suspension. The you know the original um, shocks, springs, everything with just Hoosiers and three thirty five Hoosiers in the back and three fifteen in the fronts, and the car was just incredibly fast. It was one of the faster cars at the track, just with that with with tires, and you know I'm not even that great of a driver at all, and it you know you could still do really well in that thing. So for the next two years, we just beat on this car. It, it didn't matter. Everybody drove it. Oli drove it. Uh, all my friends drove it. We would drive it back to back. Auto Club, we'd go you know, back to back, you know, 150 miles an hour around the thing. And there, every time we went to an event, there would be at least two or three drivers driving, just having fun with this thing. Um, and it went on for about two or three years before <laughs> I actually did any type of maintenance on the thing. And... Uh, it just kind of occurred to us one day. I believe we were heading back to uh, back from a track event, Buttonwillow, I believe, right? And I, we might have had the discussion shortly before we left. I remember having us. We talked about it, kind of. Hey, you know what's a good? You know, would be cool if if we did this. If there was a spec Corvette series. And it kind of just started to, you know, simmer in our heads. We got into the cars and, you know, uh, got into our, our, tr our tow vehicles and started driving home. And I think Oli called me about 40 minutes into the ride or something <laughs> like that and said, hey, let's talk about this. And the entire drive home, we talked about the rules. We talked about what we should do or what 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 you know what the car should be what the series should be how it should be done and all the uh, the specs and stuff and i say by the time we got home there 80 percent of the rules today were 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 written on the road from button willow from wow. a race so i think it was one of all these races that we were we were at 
um, it just made so much sense, uh, you know, and, and for me, it was great because I, I wanted to get into wheel to wheel. I just couldn't afford it. And I was helping Oli with his GT2 car and I could just see the expenses and the commitment and the, the maintenance within, within rounds, you know, in between rounds, our checklists that we have to do and all that stuff. It just was so intense. And, you know, I think, uh, it, it made sense to Oli also because you wanted to get kind of back into that hey let's have a barbecue in between sessions right all right instead of let's go over the entire car because it's got 500 horsepower it's got aero so there's things are going to go wrong um and that's how it all started so i think the next morning Oli, we got home at i don't know midnight or something like that and i think the next morning Oli emailed me the list that we talked about of <laughs> rules it was you were just so amped about it um and that's how it all began, and that was nice. it. Yeah, so a little bit more history on that, too. Um, you know, going back to, I think it was roughly 2011, um, SCCA T1 Racing was a pretty popular class and pretty well attended and subscribed, but then SCCA made some rules, made a lot of drivers unhappy. I was kind of one of the leaders of a, of a, a revolt, so to speak, over the rule changes and all that, and... Um, you know, SCCA didn't necessarily didn't really relent on the rule changes and all that, and it caused a fragmentation of a lot of drivers into other classes, other organizations, and out of the class and whatever. They just kind of fragmented. Um, but one of the things that we discussed, because I actually put together a, a, a national email list of T1 racers, um, you know, we were debating, you know, what to do with the class and where to go. And one of the things that we did talk about at the time was creating a spec Corvette class. And there was a lot of interest, but not enough interest, I think, really at the time to make it happen. Um, and I just think it needed more time. And then, um, re, you know, uh, fast forward to, um, you know, a year ago or so when John and I started talking about it, John said, hey, I think we can build these cars for 20K. And I my, I scoffed at it at first. I go, ah, no way you can do that. <laughs> and then John said, yeah, I think we can. You know, he had found a, a shop to put in cages for 3K. Um, and he had uh, gotten a deal on tires for half off. So the tires are about $860 a set. Um, and then I started thinking about it. I thought I, I can find, I can source some suspension kits and some other things with some of my contacts. And I said, I think I can get those at 50% off. Um, so I did some math on a spreadsheet and you can buy, uh, C5 Corvettes that qualify for, uh, uh, spec Corvette racing for about eight grand plus or minus a bit, depending on, you know, what shape they're in. And then you, you know, put the cage in and get the other components, everything in the car, the, the, the race seat, um, the fire systems, the harnesses, the suspension kit, sway bars, uh, big br front brake kit, um, you name it, the whole car completely done, not counting labor, assuming that you do the labor yourself. And then you sell off the, you know, some, a few components like the, uh, OEM seats and some other stuff that comes out of it. You, you strip the dash. So you sell the radio and the therm, the climate control system and all that. And yeah, you have a car, a race car, a full turnkey race car for, um, under 20 K. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, this, this could be something. And I started thinking about it. And what really got me amped was, um, I love my GT2 car, but I, it, it's fast. It's an incredibly fast car. Um, but I miss the days of T1 racing. They're like big 
spec Miatas with V8s in them, and you can come around a corner at 100 miles an hour and run, you know, you know, bobble or run a little too wide, and you run two off or four off, you barely lift. You go off in the dirt, and you come right back on. You don't miss a beat. You do that in a GT car with a splitter and all <laughs> that. You, everything. Oh, oh yeah, you you rip <laughs> off the front end if it catches yeah. anything, right? right? So you have to you have to drive those cars with a lot more discipline. And I was kind of looking forward to being able to drive a car like a spec Miata or in this case a spec Corvette that you can kind of drive with some reckless abandon mm-hmm. and you can go off at 100 miles an hour you come right back on without lifting and I got to tell you we do that we do and that. it's a blast that, just laughing. that, that yeah. happens a lot yeah so I mean, it, it takes some of the stress of being on track away a little bit because you're not so worried yeah. about it yeah you know I, right and you know the GT car is, as John pointed out takes a lot of maintenance even between you know qualifying in the race or practice and qualifying and all of that. Um, the spec Corvettes, you go out and you flog on it. You come in, you sit in your folding chair, um, you grab a drink, you BS and tell a few lies with your friends and talk a little smack. Yeah. And then, you, you know, when it's your time to go back out on track, you jump in the car and you go back out and flog it some more. Hey, the engine in my spec Corvette uh, car has uh, 130 some thousand really? miles on it. And <laughs> I was flogging it, you know, this past weekend at Willow Springs International. Um, racing with SCCA and the car hangs. It hangs with the other uh, cars. I actually ran it in GT2 in the rain and I'm kicking myself. I set my goal to make podium. I didn't quite do that. By four thousandths of a second, I came in fourth. Um, but it was close. But that car was hanging in the rain with GT2 cars. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you know, it seems like to go incrementally faster in race cars, it gets exponentially more expensive and exponentially uh, more more of a hassle for maintenance. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of nice to, to hear that you've kind of gone to that higher level and you kind of realize, you know, it would be nice to, like, step down just a little bit and yeah. have just as much fun, if not more fun. A couple weeks ago, um, the weekend before this last weekend, again, I was out at um, uh, racing, with, this time with NASA, and uh, I raced in ST2 and TT2, and it was raining on Saturday. And I won the ST2 race. I won TT, um, came back in, you know, cleaned up in my paddock spot a little bit. They were having an awards banquet that night. I jumped in my spec Corvette. I drove into town, went to the awards banquet, <laughs> driving in the rain, um, did the awards banquet, and drove the spec Corvette back. It still has a license plate and insurance on it. And um, I don't think there's any other car that won its class, let alone ST2, and was able to drive Street to the legal. awards banquet and go yeah. back again. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I was talking with some of the S2K Challenge guys and also with Adam Jabay, my my co-host for this, and we think Spec Corvette is probably the only class that you can get a race motor overnight through Amazon Prime. Yep, uh, that's probably <laughs> so true. I think probably it's probably true. one yeah. of the yeah. only ones, so, yeah. Yeah. so that's yeah. really cool. Uh, as far as the, the cars go, um, you know, obviously it's, it's C5 Corvettes, uh, both the FRCs and the hatchbacks. Convertibles at all? No, no convertibles. The only one is that isn't allowed is a convertible. Okay, okay. And then what's what's the build like? What are the specs for the brakes? I know you mentioned big brake kits, um, suspension, wheels, tires, things like that. Yeah. So for the the braking kit, it's a really simple formula. Uh, for the braking kit, we use a Willwood six piston kit for the front. Three hundred fifty five millimeter rotors. Right. Plenty of stopping power. Lots of power there with an extra thick pad as a twenty millimeter. Twenty millimeter pad. Twenty, yeah. 20 millimeter pad. So. 
really thick pad for very low maintenance. And mm. Is from, it a spec pad? Is it a spec compound for the brakes, or is that open? No, that, the, the compound is open. Okay. Um, and the, the Willwood kit comes with, a, I think it's a BP-40 um, uh, compound, and it's, it's been working well. And the guys put it on, and they've just been running it, and um, it makes quite, quite they a They last a long time. I haven't yeah. even run the car long enough to wear out the front pad yet. Yeah, and that's the name of the game. You know, that's one of the reasons why we allowed, you know, a bigger brake kit is for the, the lack of maintenance that you have to do. Um, I'm still running um, the factory uh, setup um, with power stop brake pads. And, you know, it stops great and everything, but the only thing is you have to maintain a little bit more so you'll have some rotor uh, issues or you'll have to change pads every three or four uh, track events or so. But, right. Um, so, yeah, so the brake kit is uh, the Willwood 6 piston. Um, and then for suspension, we run AFE Control FOT Series uh, coilovers. So they put a really nice package together for us. Extremely good deal. I mean, this is it's over fifty percent off. Over fifty wow. percent off for the for the spec drivers. Um, you know, they really want to support this series and see it go. Um, so that that uh, suspension kit consists of uh, single adjustable feather like coilovers um, with spec valving and uh, sway bar, uh, Johnny O'Connell sway bars and monoball control arm bushings which is an incredibly good uh upgrade you know bearing kit very expensive um you get your front and rear tow hooks you get alignment kit and all that for you know spec racer pricing so um so that's what we run uh for suspension tires wise uh we use the falcon 615k plus mm -hmm. which is proven in the last three races to be a great spec racing tire I, I can't tell you how happy all the racers are with with how well that tire performs. It has good grip level, but it maintains a really good grip level throughout the entire race, throughout the entire weekend. Yeah, it's pretty much as fast at the end of the race as it starts out, which is yeah. pretty impressive. It doesn't, it you doesn't know, fall off. Yeah, right. real you know, race-grade tires will fall off quite a bit. These right. things are, are pretty robust. And what so a real hoot I think is that because they're treaded a bit, you know, they're not deep treads like street tires, you know, full on street tires. These are performance street tires, but um, you know, racing with slicks or Hoosiers, you kind of go in the corner and you don't really hear the tires at all. all. All your feedback you have to feed literally from the seat of your pants and the steering wheel. Um, these things sing back to you, right? They they have this high pitched harmonic, and it's fun to be driving a car out there when you really lean on it and you can hear those tires start singing. It's mm -hmm. it just adds to the uh the adrenaline of of racing yeah. yeah especially when you're next to somebody you can just hear it all <laughs> going because you can't see the guy you can only hear his engine and his tires just trying to find grip somewhere yeah. It's, yeah. it's an incredible feeling you know we uh i know some people that that run the rt 615k pluses um i ran some of the original 615s and then the 615ks and I've gotten to drive on the, the K pluses, and if you've driven one of the old 615s or the 615Ks, the K plus is on a completely different level. I mean, it's, you know, uh, don't discount the K plus because you didn't like the, the regular 615s or the 615Ks. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's it's a, a different tire, tire completely. Yeah. 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 Really happy with it. Great so, compound. What, what size are they? Uh, so it's a 315 square setup, okay. 315, 3018. We wanted to make sure it's square so that we can rotate, which I did this past weekend. Um, the rears were getting kind of low because we were just really you know, pushing the cars this past weekend and uh, it started to burn the tires up in the rear a little bit. So I, I just did a rotation at the end of the night on Saturday and then I was good to go. You so just moved the fronts to the rears? Yeah, yeah. I, did, I did the crisscross uh, yeah. because we were going with clockwise. 
yeah, going clockwise that weekend and uh, did the crisscross and got a fresh set of rears in there now from the from the front. Yeah, the, the C5 with 315s on all four corners is an incredibly well-balanced car yeah. and performs outstanding. Yeah, with everybody, we, we, we had a Super Miata uh, guy, Sonny, mm-hmm. uh, take the car out after the race on Sunday and you know he was interested to to see how the car is balanced never drove a corvette c5 let alone a c5 and the first thing he came back and said he said the car behaves really really well it's super well balanced neutral the mid corner is really nice uh there's a couple things here and there that you can tune with the shocks um but you know the, the balance of the car is there the way it's set up between the the coilovers the sway bar set it set up it's really simple there isn't any type of uh like mystery or formula that that we have to, that a racer has to have to be fast yeah you don't have to have a race engineer and a data right. acquisition exactly. guy track side yeah. to get the thing working right and running right. fast I, I have my settings at half you know all the settings half and half with the uh with shocks and then uh, the sway bar is in the middle section, and that thing, you know, it, it runs great. So we've had other people get into the different cars, and they said the same thing. They're really surprised. A couple of BMW guys, Ellie, he came in and drove the car and said, I'm really surprised. This thing's easy to drive. Mm-hmm. I was expecting it to be a, like a monster, you know, a Corvette, all this power, but it's tameable. So they're really fun to drive. You can have a good time with them really let it hang out if you need to or, yeah. or, or keep it straight especially the cars being being really wide and then having a, a pretty long wheelbase all things considered yeah. i mean it actually makes the car really really drivable i haven't driven a spec corvette but i have driven a couple of c5z's on track well it sounds like you're gonna have to drive my spec corvette okay. <laughs> yeah absolutely actually actually we were talking or just listening to you guys talk about the coilovers and stuff in my head i'm like could I just buy an FRC as a daily and like put some of the spec vet parts on there and you just could. like go, go track it. So yeah, they're so cheap now. It's kind of like, you know, just go buy one. All right, I'll just go pick so one I up tomorrow. So I called John a couple days ago. I said <laughs> at our next deck spec Corvette race, it's the day instead of racing both days, because it's the day before, um, Easter, it's a, a one-day race weekend instead of two like it normally is. I said, you know what? We're going to go drive out Friday night in our spec Corvettes. We're not taking a, a van or a truck and a trailer. Guy. We're going to drive them out there. We're going to throw our gear bag um, and our, bag, our yeah. night bag in the car along with a few tools. And we're going to drive them out there. We're going to race it on Saturday, and we're going to drive home Saturday night. Yeah, just so, like the good old days. Like the good yeah, old like days. When you're running, running T1, I remember right. seeing seeing videos yeah. and pictures of people that would literally drive their T1, T2, right. T3 cars across the country with a tire trailer. Yeah. Um, you know, at least for the S2000 guys, you need a tire trailer. Right. They didn't have any room for, for anything. <laughs> um, but, you know literally driving them across the country, racing them, yep. and then driving them back home. It's just, yep. it's a really, really cool thing, and it actually makes it really simple. I've, I've said it on the show before, you know, I started off driving my car to track days and stuff, and then I got a truck and an open trailer, then I upgraded to an enclosed trailer, and it just, it started to be such a pain sometimes to load up to go to the track, especially if you're going to do it a lot. Right. You know, if you're racing four weekends a year, it's not a big deal, but if you're doing it, you know, like you are, you know, two weekends a month, it starts to take a lot of time to I load think he's and doing more than that. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he's doing more than that. So but no, I you know, I think that's a, a really cool thing yeah. that you guys are gonna do and just drive the cars to the track, race them wheel to wheel, and then <laughs> drive them back home. Yeah. So I can't yeah. I can't wait to see that. I might have to do like a little video interview with you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> when you're at Willow the cars Springs. are completely capable of doing that. I mean they all of them that I know of all have plates. You know, mm-hmm. mine I mm-hmm. drove this week from Chuckwalla, the track to Indio, to the hotel back and forth, 
podium uh, all weekend and, and won first place and drove it back. Yeah, you know, it, it was great. So it just simplifies things. And my a car lot. still yeah. has the windows and the the uh, you know window motors, and mm-hmm. so Christian's still car still has the AC. Yeah, he yeah. still has air conditioning. And <laughs> I he, think you know, Carl he uses still has while well, he's racing. Too. Carl still has his AC too. I think. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's why it stays so cool. But I don't yeah. want to discount the fact that you drove your car back to Indio, because for those of you that have never been to Chuckwalla, uh, yeah. Indio is a good 45-minute haul from Chuckwalla Valley Raceway. It's yeah. not like it's just like the next town o- Well, technically it, it is, is the next, next town, town over, over, but it's literally it's 45 minutes away. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to do the speed limit, too, because I got busted on the way up. Oh, so no. Was, <laughs> yeah, so that is a really bad road to drive on. There's nothing but cops on that road. They yeah. just wait for guys like us to kind of just rip around that thing because it's just wide open you know but, yep. but yeah it, it is a haul it's an absolute haul so yeah. that was fun though so so we talked about brakes we talked about suspension we talked about tires yep. uh, on the topic of tires is there a wheel limitation for those 315s is there 11 a wheel inch, width limit 11 inch wide wheels yeah okay yeah okay. 18 by 11s is the widest you can go okay um, and then we have a weight limit. It, it just can't be, yeah, it just can't be anything less than a factory Z06 wheel, which okay. I guarantee you will not find right. a better wheel or a weight wheel than and that. The factory a, rears, yeah, oh, yeah those are like gold yeah. now. The, those yeah, Z06 hard to find. wheels, yeah. And uh, for, who made those? Were they Forge? Two two makers. Um, Speedline was one. Oh, Speedline. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Speedline. Forgeline, but it's Speedline. So, yeah, Speedline. So, and I forget who the other one is. Offhand. I'm stacking them. In, I'm, I'm hiding them Just in my collecting garage. Them. Well, collecting them, yeah, for my college. Uh, my you gotta go buy them off those Camaro guys, man. All the F body guys. Yeah, <laughs> Love right. running those things. He's yeah. cashing in his Bitcoin and buying speed lines. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying speed lines. That's it for for a little hobby years. Yeah, uh, actually, lately the way Bitcoin's been going, fund. it's a better investment yeah. than <laughs> Bitcoin is. would be. People want some serious money for those, but they're great wheels. They're they light. They don't fail. And they look great. Yeah. Like, what else do you need? So and they're, they're hard wheel. to find. So another good wheel are the uh, the Forge Stars too. Forge Stars are, are excellent. Yeah. yeah. So I had the Forge Stars on my car. You've had really good luck with Forge uh, Stars. I've had good luck with Forge Stars on yeah. on a GT2 car, three thirty five Hoosiers with full aero yeah. and five hundred horsepower. No issues with them. Yeah. yeah. So that's another a wheel that uh, you know a lot of people are starting to run. So. Yeah, and they're not they're not too expensive either. No, no they're not. On, on a little bit more expensive wheels, I, I can't deny that I love the look of a C5 on CCW Classics. Yeah, that's it. Can't deny it. Yeah. That's so. what makes that 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 setup right there just makes me want to have another Corvette with CCWs on it. Just that is the classic what a Corvette looks like. A yeah. C5 looks like it's it's on classics. Yep. So. I gotta stop doing these shows, man. Like every time I start <laughs> talking to people with car. different cars, I keep building like my dream car of each chassis in my head. Yeah. And you know, I actually after I sold my S two thousand, I came very close to buying a C five Z six, but just didn't end up happening. Yeah. I am in the market probably this year, maybe for a car, um, and I think a C five might be might be kind of high on the list. Yeah. So right now, I think it's C five E forty six M three or another S two thousand, but. You know, it, when we had the spec S2, or sorry, the S2K Challenge guys on, uh, they said the S2000 is essentially the last car you own before buying a Corvette. Oh, really? <laughs> so, and there's actually, you, you know, said that two Ryan of them. Russo? Yeah, Ryan. <laughs> yep, yep. And Ryan, I think he's, he's about been, to come over. Same too. with David yep. Carner. Carner's yep, building a spec that's, Corvette. That's right. He's got two Corvettes, right? Yeah, Cor- yeah Carner, Carner has two, two of Corvettes. them, yeah. They're just so yeah. Everyone, Corvettes for everyone. It's yeah. cheap. Yeah. You know, they're so there are four hundred ninety-seven thousand C5s made from nineteen ninety-seven to two thousand and four, and that's the best part. There's a ample inventory 
of those cars to, to buy from. And that's one of the things that's making them so affordable right now is because, like the Miatas, there were a ton of them made, and they're great track cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oli, how much did you get your car for? Um, well, I ended up buying two of them also. But, um, <laughs> but the cheaper one... Um, John was there helping me negotiate. We got it down to $3,700. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was in need of a drivetrain refresh, but um, the guy had it, ad- I think, advertised for 6900 and I could tell that it was going to need some work, and I talked to him on the phone. I think I got him down to around 5500 over the phone. I thought, well, that's within the strike range. I, I'll buy the car for that. But we went down there and drove it, and... Um, you know, we found a, a few things wrong with it. I mean, other than, you know, it had a flat tire. It had been sitting in his underground garage for a while in a, a downtown Los Angeles. But um, we drove it, and it made a bit of a noise in the back. And, you know, we were trying to figure out if it was a diff or the tranny. And I could, we could tell the engine was going to be, need to be rebuilt. But what I decided, I did the math. I'd already done the math in my head that if, um, you know, I could rebuild the engine, rebuild the tranny, the diff, the drive, the whole drivetrain. And um, as it turns out with that, car at 3700 um i got you know a fresh engine a rebuilt torque tube rebuilt diff rebuilt tranny new clutch and all that the whole drivetrain in the car for about an eleven thousand dollar price so you know now i've got a car that i'm taking to the track that's fresh and fast and shouldn't give me any trouble for a long time um and uh so you know it's you know it's kind of like you know do you run the car um, with the unrebuilt parts and just kind of service it as it needs it or, um, you know, rebuild it all. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to buy a f- totally flogged, thrashed, you know, wasted car and just go through the whole drivetrain and bring it to the track fresh. I think that's what I'd probably do too. Yeah. So if you yeah. know you're going to eventually have to do it, might as well go ahead and try and save the money early on right? and just, you know, start from there. Right. Yeah. So there, There's a couple different ways people – I've done it uh, the other way of just – beating on it until it breaks and fix it. Knowing what I know now, the amount of money you have in just travel to the track and all that stuff and, and paying for registration, if you when, you when you break, you lose all of that. Right. Um, so knowing what I know now, I would probably rebuild and do, do exactly what all You're going to spend the money one way or another. You might as well have a reliable car because when you're about to win that race and that something fails, you know, that is the, the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. So, but yeah. Now, what what are the drivetrain specs for spec Corvette? Like, what mods are, are actually allowed? Uh, okay, so let's start with the engine. Nothing. No? All <laughs> stock? Can't do, uh, yeah, so um, LS6 is the base engine power. So we have a power cap of 380 horsepower. Rear wheel horsepower. Rear, rear wheel horsepower. And you can't touch the engine. It has to be down to the uh, exhaust manifolds being stock. Anything after the exhaust manifolds is open, so you can put exhaust on it or X-pipe or whatever. Um, intake needs to be a stock intake. You can use a K&N filter. You can uh, you can modify the stock intake, you mm-hmm. know, for free um, if you want. But no aftermarket cold intakes or anything. But no like aftermarket that. cold intake, correct? Okay. So, so again, it's all designed to keep the cars equal and the right. cost down. Yeah. Right. So it's real simple. You can't touch the engine, and and. When we we did the we did a dyno test between a comparison between a few cars, the 380 horsepower cap we put on it, there was two different cars that put down 370, 372. So if you do anything to the car, if it gets cold out at night and you or you know and you we dyno it at that time, 
you're going to go over your horsepower limit. So just don't touch the thing. And it, the car is so fast the way it is, perfectly capable. You don't need to have any more power than that. And it's very reliable the way it is. Um, we keep stock rev limits. Too. Stock rev limits, yeah, all that is just has to be factory. Okay. So um, are, are tunes allowed? Tunes are open, okay. um, yeah. it, partly because it's hard to police it, and, right. and partly because it really doesn't add that much. It adds a few horsepower, right. but you know any car running the OEM uh, uh, exhaust manifolds and intake like you're supposed to do, they're going to come right in just under 380 horsepower. Yeah. So um, you know it, it just works, right? Yeah, it, there's really no need. It, you, it, like Oli said, it, it's hard to police that, mm -hmm. so you might as well just allow it, but still have the horsepower limit. And you can tell if somebody's pulling away from you, and yeah. then you can have them go yeah, on Yeah, you dyno. can take that setup and try and tune all you want. You're, you might get to 380, but that's about it. Um, you know, you're going to have to start doing other stuff to get past that, and that's going to be easily policeable because you'll be able right. to see different exhaust manifolds, right. different intakes. Right. Things like that. Okay. Right. Or if somebody's being a cheater on the inside of the engine, the dyno's going to bust them. Right. So engine-wise, factory stock. Um, clutch, uh, factory-style clutch. So a really good one is just get a, a LS6 clutch, put it in there. Okay. Um, you got to have the factory flywheel. You can't have an aluminum flywheel. Uh, torque tube, factory torque tube. Uh, nothing you can do in there. No carbon fiber drive shaft or anything like that. Uh, then we get to the trans and diff factory. Can't touch it. You can rebuild it. Um, and both the Z06 box and the uh, yeah, base M car box. Yeah, MN12 and MN6 trannies are, are both, both manuals are allowed. Okay. Are you the gear ratios vastly different between the two? They're a little or? bit different. Um, you know, maybe at some point in the future we'll, you know, spec one of those out. But I think that... Um, yeah, I don't know that it's going to There gonna might be an advantage at one track as yeah. opposed to another. Mm -hmm. If somebody wants to go through the trouble and switch them for the tracks, yeah. Every yeah. Event, feel free. They, I yeah. guess they deserve to win. But, um, you know, I, I we just, we're running different cars together. And I got to mm -hmm. tell you, they are so equal. Yeah. You know, in qualifying, we... We were we we're off of each other, you know, five hundredths of a second. And mm -hmm. the last uh, qualifying, I was off from Christian Paluzzi from five hundredths of a second, and he was on the other side of the track of me. So it's not like we were just running each other down back nose to you know nose to back. We got out. And we we're just like, I can't believe how close these cars are. And for the first race, the cars were all within a second of each other, which is unbelievable. You know, all different drivers. Yeah. And the setups are all the same though, and and the times show it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the race at, at CVR this past weekend, I mean, that was essentially a photo finish. Yeah. That one race. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was really, really close. Yeah. That so was I was standing intense. there at start finish. You couldn't at tell. At the end right? of the race. And I, you couldn't tell from just standing there. Yeah. That was a great, great run um, that we had this past weekend. I had a blast. That was, that was one of my best track events I've ever done as far as having fun. And, uh, you know, with the other guys and with the cars and everything and just how close the racing was, um, you know, trying to dig uh, out of the corner from Sean, what he actually took first place on Sunday. You know, I, I was just trying to set him up to try to pull around that last, you know, 180 turn and then just jam the gas, try to get around him. I was I was like drafting him and then I pulled out and I was just getting a run past him and it just didn't have enough we were drag racing down the front the front street away and then whoever had more guts was the, <laughs> the guy that broke broke last and 
you know, a couple of it was just back and forth with him. I could not see him. I could only hear him yeah. for the entire race, just going around the track. And, you know, excitement like that, you just... It looked like you guys were having a really good time. It was great. We got yeah. out of the car, big smiles, hugged each other. Like, that was incredible. You know, yeah. the gentleman racer thing is like, you give them room and you guys just race. You know, yeah. and there's no, you can't, you can't beat it. So. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it really seems like, like Spec Corvette is prime for the time at the moment. There's a lot of people that are participating in track days, but are still unsure about taking that step into you know getting into wheel to wheel um you know either cost prohibitive or just don't really know exactly what sort of platform that they want or you know some of the other classes where there's other spec classes out there obviously but they've become so competitive that it's you know like a top spec miata now is like a seventy thousand dollar build just yeah. to be like yeah. at the pointy end of the field yep. at a national level. So, That's right. You know, it's one of those things that I think Spec Corvette is really, really primed for. And like you said, they're very lightly modded cars. Essentially, it's a it's a basic track day build, suspension. Brakes and tires. Brakes and tires. Yep. Um, and then some safety equipment for the wheel-to-wheel piece. Yep, right. And that's about it. So, so Jim Pierce at Pierce Motorsports a couple months back made a quote and i didn't hear it directly i think it came from you john i think i heard it secondhand but um jim pierce mentioned he goes yeah i think spec corvette's going to be um bigger than spec miata and again like i sometimes do i kind of dismissed it at first and i started thinking about it. i go well there was almost a half million of these cars made and there's a lot of people looking for something faster than a miata or a spec yeah. miata and he's built a lot of spec cars and yeah he and knows spec cars yeah, yeah. Well. and that's when i started thinking you know what this could be a lot bigger than mm-hmm. what I, you know, originally imagined. Thought, yeah. yeah, I mean, you think about it. There's a lot of people that just won't drive a Miata, no right. matter what. You right. know, it just kind of have a, has a stigma behind it. Um, and then there's other people that want to get into spec Miata, but they also don't want to just you know have a slow car to take to a track day to practice in. You know, right. where with the Miata, no matter how fast you're wheeling it, if you're in like the one of the advanced groups, you're just going to get rolled left and right, and you're not going to enjoy it as much. Right. So to have a car that you can still, you know, take to a, just a regular open track day, a car that can set still, fast time a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. I know. While it wasn't a spec car, I think William Chen has a stock C5 that he took out to yep. Auto Club recently, just with tires. I think tires and brake pads, and did like a 150 yep. at ACS, and pretty much a bone stock car, which. Yeah. Is blazingly fast with the OEM seat, which is really hard to drive <laughs> yeah, fast with the OEM seat. Yeah, which he was complaining about. Yeah, because you slide around in that OEM seat; it yeah. does not hold you well at all. Yeah, which makes it hard to drive fast. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's it's just one of those platforms that I still think is is really like we've been talking about. It's just a, a perfect perfect candidate for a wheel to wheel racing series. I'm I'm actually surprised that it's kind of taken this long for for that to take off, but I think the timing is actually right for it. I think the timing yeah. is right. I think, you know, John had the vision and I think the timing's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a couple new generations of Corvettes out, so that's th- making these cars really really affordable. Yeah. And you know what? There's not really on the chassis, there's really not much um, there's really no technical advancement on the C6 chassis or the C5, and there's really not much on the C7 either. I mean, they, GM did a really, really good job with the C5 chassis. Um, you know, the C7 has some electronics um, that are really sophisticated that will make up for lack of, 
you know, for driver indiscretions or lack of driver ability, but you jump in a C5, chassis is basically the same, and it's all the driver. You yeah. know, it's really going to be a test of the driver and uh, help develop driver skill because yeah. there's no computer to really save you. You don't want to drive with the uh, C5 uh, active handling on. It's in a race situation. It, it just it was never designed for that. It's intrusive in, on the track. It's good for catching a driver on the street that you know overshoots a turn and and is starting to lose control it'll straighten out the car on the street but driving fast it it just gets in the way so you turn it off or you disconnect it all together right you know what i really like about about the you know the way the spec cars are set up too is the fact that you know the drivetrain is stuck and that's how it's going to be most reliable so if you're looking for a car that you can sprint race but also maybe take with some friends and go run say lucky dog or AER yeah, or wrl yeah. 25 you know, hours yeah yeah i mean pretty much for the most part you you have to have a car that's reliable that can make it through all of that yeah. and what better way to keep it reliable or make it reliable than to keep it mostly stock you yeah know? hey on and you know gm put a lot of hours into making sure these cars can drive hundreds of thousands of miles which translates into on track reliability right so I, I think for somebody that's looking for a car that's going to be versatile to be yeah. able to go wheel to wheel racing be able to do some endurance stuff be able to be driven to cars and coffee cars if and you coffee. want to yep um, i drove it you know. uh, a couple weeks ago to cars and coffee oh yeah yeah nice yeah all the uh all the corvette guys kind of looked at me like uh look at this guy like <laughs> he really he's got no interior he's got no chrome on this thing yeah. he's got no gold chain either look at this guy Who you just need a chrome is? plate in your cage man yeah. <laughs> that's weird <laughs> That's what you need to do. Just chrome yeah. plate it, and then you'll get all your street cred back. Yeah. I, I didn't have a Hawaiian shirt either, so. But. Or you could get you could get a Hawaiian print race suit. Ooh, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's thinking out of the box. That'd be pretty like awesome. That. that is pretty badass. Or you know, they always like to make fun of Corvette owners saying they wear like jorts, jean <laughs> shorts, and then the white socks. You just make your race suit look like that. That's, that would that's, work too. Might have to make that a spec rule. Yeah, yeah. Right. that'd be it awesome. Has to look like that. Cut a yeah, deal just, with Sparco to make uh, what do you call us? Shorts. Jorts. 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 Yeah. 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 I can just see the podium picture now, man. <laughs> I gotta, uh, here, here's what it is: it's it's like a tear off. So the suit, you know, it's a race suit. Oh, you you tear the bottom, the only the bottom quarter off. So then you got George right for the after. podium shot, right? There That's you it. go. And spraying the champagne. <laughs> Pretty cool. So, uh, you know, as far as spec Corvette goes, right now, you know, it's predominantly Southern California based. But I was talking with John before. There's people in the Midwest that have been kind of talking about it. What's the plan for expansion of the spec Corvette series? at the national level so right now i mean we've gotten so much feedback from and, and interest from other areas of the country and you know it, it only started out to be just southern california obviously and we didn't really have much of a thought that it would blow up to what it is becoming yeah we really just wanted to, we were really just planning on concentrating on southern california right. for this year um but there is a ton of interest in other parts of the country and in the um, upper Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, Northern yeah. California, um, Southeast and Texas and, right. and Colorado yeah. and places, there's cars getting built. Um, there just isn't the quantity of them getting built as in Southern California. And what we really need um, at, at this point is each region needs to really get, you know, find that leader that's willing to spearhead the effort right. and um, help organize the races and um, 
and it's going to happen. And I think, you know, this year we're going to concentrate a lot on Southern California, but I think by 2019, I was talking with a gentleman earlier today on the East Coast. I, I won't, it's too early to say his name, but I think we're going to get a really uh, powerful sponsor, a supporter for some re- uh, racing on the East Coast. And I think if that happens, we're going to see um, builds and racing go from the coast into the center. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, back in June, we held a, a conference call uh, for Spec Corvette, people that are interested, anybody that's building, and uh, we, we just invited as many people as possible, and it was unbelievable the response we got. We actually, people could not get onto the call. Like, really? Yeah, all these conference like bridge. Just, just Well, yeah, it was a limit to the, you, yeah. where you could go to. and. So we were just kind of going over the rules and getting feedback from everybody. We had an itinerary that we wanted to talk about and get feedback. And um, we were just was like, any questions about this? And we just, okay, text, yeah, this is uh, yada yada from Texas. Okay, this question here. Hey, this is uh, John from uh, Michigan. Hey, this is Jeff from Pennsylvania. We were just like, wow, how many different people from different areas are interested in this? And it kind of just take, we were kind of taken back by it. I was like, wow, there's a lot of really positive response on this. And, you know, we are getting the rules and everything pretty much straightened out in Southern California, all the bugs out and everything like that. And we already have other people in different areas. So there's uh, 25 people in Southern California building or built already. Wow. And there's 10 others across the United States. So we have two to three in each region. So Michigan Great Lakes region, we have Scott Young and a couple other guys up that way already building cars. There's no series up there yet, but they said it's coming. I'm going to build and we're going to we're going to make this work. Uh, Jerry Hansen in uh, the Georgia area, Georgia, Kentucky, um, a couple Texas guys are building and a couple Florida guys are building. So the belief is there already. So they're just trying to get organized, get the cars done, get them on the track. So once they start getting on the track, I guarantee you we're going to have a whole lot more interest in, and we're going to be able to build that nucleus a little bit bigger. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's going to be one of those things that it'll, it'll slowly ramp up, but it, after a certain point, there's going to be so many cars out there that people are going to come to their first track day and see Spec Corvette running, and that's what they're going to shoot yeah. for. Right. You know, they go, that's awesome. That's what I should do. Yeah, I was so kind of yeah. like you going to your first track day, yeah. like, yeah. you know, from, you know, not even knowing you could take your car to the track and then going and then formulating a plan to go wheel to wheel racing. I think it's going to happen to a lot of different people. So I think I'm the only one racing my spec Corvette in, in non spec Corvette races right now, um, both at NASA um, yeah, where, where and, does the car class? I know you said ST2 and, um, and TT2 for this past Yeah, weekend. I raced it in ST2 and TT2. Um, it's not optimized for that class, but it was capable of winning, and mm-hmm. it won. Was that um, on the on the Falcons as well? Uh, no, uh, what I did for the, that race, I threw on Hoosiers because okay. I needed the extra speed for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every, if everybody else is running, it's kind of like an arms race. If everybody else is on Hoosiers, I better be on them too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the Hoosiers fit right on the wheels, so I just threw Hoosiers on. They weren't even new; um, they were takeoffs from my GT2 car, and. Um, yeah, and the car went out and it ran fast and um, and it won. And then in the paddock, it gets a lot of attention. People walk by or they come to seek it out and check it out. Um, looking at it this past weekend, I had a guy come by that used to race um, uh, an open wheel car, you know, and uh, you know some years back, and he was thinking about getting back into racing and 
and he sat there for about half an hour looking at my car and asking questions. Um, so even veteran racers are, you know, seeing it and liking what they see, and uh, and they're liking the affordability and yeah. the low maintenance of it all. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be able to run at the track at the pointy end of the field. You know, yep. the C5 is just a very, very fast, fast platform yep. to begin with. But, you know, you add a couple mods, some, you know, I don't want to say basic mods because the suspension, obviously, there's there's a lot going on there. But, you know, you could you could build one of the cars minus the safety equipment in a weekend at your house. If you, you can pretty to. much yeah. like yep. you and some buddies can do the suspension, the Absolutely. brakes, wheels and tires and essentially be good to go yeah. at that point. So, and the car will migrate relatively easily into, into either NASA ST3 or ST2, depending on where you claim your horsepower. For ST3, mm -hmm. you'll have to um, tune the engine down or put a restrictor plate in it to get the horsepower down. For ST2, you pretty much run it as is. That's what I did. Um, you know, the ST2 specs actually years ago were really pretty much modeled after a T1 Corvette, which a uh, spec Corvette is really a lot like a T1 Corvette. So you can race it ST2 or ST3 um, at NASA, or you could, uh, you know, uh, with a little bit of modification, a little bit of tweaking, you can go run in um, SCCA T2 or T1. Um, it would uh, qualify for those two classes. So, um um, you know, there's a few things you might have to change. Uh, and, you know, you'll have to add weight for T2 and things like that. But, you know, the car is portable. That's mm -hmm. the point is that um, it's portable. And uh, I've even had discussions with um, Trans Am, and they're interested in classing the car perhaps as a T4, uh, TA4 class car. Okay. Um, and maybe in the future, if we get enough people wanting to race Trans Am, we could maybe have a, a spec Corvette Trans Am That'd be pretty class. cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be super exciting. Yeah, yeah. that's a goal for Go us. Go do some pro racing, maybe get on TV. Yeah. yeah. Now, what's I? I just realized I forgot to ask. What's the minimum weight for the spec Corvette? Uh, it's thirty two hundred. So okay. we initially, when we started doing these builds, we set the weight at thirty two fifty with driver after the race. And as we were doing these builds, we were finding that the cars are coming down way underweight, and people had to ballast up to make thirty two fifty. Uh, so we we spoke with everybody and made the decision to, to lower the weight to 3,200 pound min weight, um, and and thus some people need ballast, some people don't, depending on what they remove. Um, Christian's car, uh, his a, it's a FRC. He's still got full AC, full everything. He doesn't have any ballast, and he just makes weight. Uh, my car with the AC out, I have to ballast up 50 pounds. So. It's it it doesn't take much to get these cars really light. I just yeah. have the interior out, and we have the cage in and every all the safety stuff, and it still comes down. You know, all it still comes underweight. We could probably set the weight a little bit lighter, but I think we don't want it um, be like you know open wheel racing where you need to have a hundred and twenty pound driver. We want to be able to have you know if if a driver weighs two hundred twenty pounds, he shouldn't be at a hundred pound disadvantage. Right. Right. Um, in the class, so we're trying to accommodate that. So, okay, awesome. Yeah. No, I'm I'm really really excited to see how the season progresses, and I can't wait to you know I kind of have a feeling it it might spread kind of like wildfire. Although in California, I guess we shouldn't say that, <laughs> but you know I I can see it spreading across the country as as people learn about it. I think right now there's people that may be hearing about it for the first time on this podcast. So, you know, it'll be be interesting to see what the next, you know, year, two, three years brings for Spec Corvette. Yeah, I, I, we have a pretty good plan to have it progress. And we're working with a couple different track uh, event organizers in different uh, regions 
um, to try to migrate a little bit uh, and make it grow. Um, and we already have a, a, you know, a next level that we are planning for, but only when the time is right. So we have a really good progression on what we want the series to do and a progression for a driver that, you know, if we if he does two or three years in spec Corvette, where does he go? We have a plan for that also. So it's going to be pretty exciting. I won't get too much further into it, but uh, when it does happen, it's going to be a really great thing. So Okay. Now, now that we've hyped up spec Corvette a lot and everybody listening to the show wants to go buy a Corvette, <laughs> uh, what are some like buying tips or like what should people look for uh, when they're looking for a donor donor platform? Cheap. Cheap. The cheapest, the <laughs> yeah. cheapest possible. Yeah. Whatever the guy's asking, if it's too much, it's just offer him half. Because everybody, we found that everybody wants like a, a crazy amount of money for these cars and they just sit. Right? Yeah, here, yeah, here's my theory. <laughs> and I think it's pr- probably pretty, more than a theory, I think it's probably a truth. It's true. Is that your average Corvette mm-hmm. streetcar owner is pretty proud of his car. And, you know, he, he, when he finally decides to go sell it because he's going to buy a C6 or a C7 or whatever he's doing, he goes online and looks and, and goes on Craigslist or, you know, some other auto buyer site or sales site. And he looks at some cars for sale. He goes, huh, yeah, that car looks pretty decent. You know, mine's better than that, right, because they're proud of their cars. And that car is probably already overpriced, and the driver wants, you know, $12,000 for it. So he looks at it. He goes, oh, I want four. You know, my car's worth more. I'm going to ask fourteen. So all these cars get posted, and you'll see anything, coupes anywhere from 10 to 12 or more all day long. You'll see the C5Z06s for, you know, upwards of 20K. And they just sit there and they sit there and they sit there for sale because they're way overpriced from what the market, the real market is. You know, you don't go, um, you know, pay for a car based on advertised prices. You know, the seller actually ends up setting the price, not, pardon me, the buyer sets the price, not the seller. Right. And so what happens is the cars will sit for a while and they'll eventually come to the realization if they really want to sell it, they've got to start taking different offers. And... Um, I'd say most of the cars are about 30% overpriced. What, what do yeah. you say, John? Yeah, I, I'd, so for a, for an FRC with uh, 80 to, uh, to 100,000 miles, you shouldn't be paying any more than, if the thing's really clean, nine grand. Yeah. 8,000 for me, for, for me $8,000 is kind of like the, the top of what you want to spend for a spec car. I mean, you could spend more if you want, depending on how nice you want it. But if you just want to... A strict race car, don't care how much, how, what it looks like. The $8,000 mark for a base FRC or coupe, uh, that's kind of like the top limit, you know, what right. the car should kind of sell for. That has miles, a little beat up. It should go for under that. The cars that we've been seeing, that uh, that we've been buying, we've been a part of many purchases, either ourselves or with somebody else. They're less than that. We're talking 6,500, 5,500, 7,500. That's the range of yeah. a 100,000 mile Corvette. And salvage titles are great too, yeah. right? Because you're just going to put a cage in it and rip yeah. out the yeah. interior yeah. and all that anyway. And at least in California, you can still street register a, a salvage car. I don't know about all states, but um, yeah. So um, my second car that I bought actually was the first one that I bought to build as a spec Corvette. Um, is a salvage title. It had a little bit of damage on the rear, but it wasn't too extraordinary. Um, and but the drivetrain, I drove the car. It was damaged on the rear, but I got to drive it around and and 
it was a great car and the guy wanted i think eighty five hundred dollars for it i had to drive out to arizona to look at it and i kind of got a confirmation from him on the phone before going out there that he was willing to negotiate and i went out there and looked at the car I actually went with chris and dustin and you know they went we made it a road trip and we checked out the car and test drove it was great um, and then, uh, so I asked the guy, he wanted like 8,500 bucks. And, and I said, well, what will you take for it? And he goes, well, I just don't want to be lowballed, which was consistent with what he told me on the phone. He goes, I asked him, well, what, you know, what kind of lowballs are you getting? He goes, oh, like $5,000. So I looked at him, I go, well, you know, what would you take? And he goes, well, uh, I don't remember if I paid 55 or six for it. 65 or six. It, it, it was six. six it was six. six right. And this was a Z 16, right? A lot of car for yeah. six. Grand. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, this was a Z 16, mind you, right? The hood itself is worth a thousand. Yeah. yeah the carbon fiber. It's got, that's the one limit in you know, the Le Mans edition car that has the carbon fiber hood and all that. And he goes, well, I'd take six. I had to act, not act too excited and not trip <laughs> over myself, giving him the money. Um, you know, so, and, and you're that, leaving, you're like, man, I would have given you seven for it. Yeah, See, yeah. as he's signing the paper. Well, I would have paid eight for it if he had really wrote, um, stuck to it. Stuck to it. Yeah. But so at six, I was going, yeah, I can't beat that. And uh, yeah, so that car had the back fascia repaired, and and there was a little bit of damage to the bumper, and uh, and that's been fixed, and it's street licensed and driveway. It hasn't been converted into a spec Corvette yet, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great car and fun to drive. Yeah. I don't think people realize how the structure of the, the Corvettes is actually pretty far inboard. Yeah. You know, it takes a decent hit to really get to the to harm the main structure. Right. Yeah, they're pretty the they're pretty robust cars. It's not like a yeah. unibody car where the yeah. thing will just fold up and you can never get it straight. The, right. You know, frame damage within reason, um, and especially if it's not at the suspension pickup point or anywhere near it, is uh, a lot more manageable. You know, so. Uh, so salvage cars, if anybody's looking for one, just kind of make sure you look at the suspension pickup points mm -hmm. yeah. um, and the overall alignment of the car. Make sure it drives right. Um, if it's a hit in the front, you know, if it's just a bumper beam, it's not a big deal. Right. So uh, salvage cars are, are great for track cars, you know, because you get them real cheap and you're going to be hitting them around anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Engine-wise, I mean, the Z06 and the LS1 engine, as long as the thing, drive it for... Drive it for a good 20 minutes, get it real hot, make sure the oil pressure is at least 40 PSI at all times. Um, you know, it's going to be around. about 30 or so at idle. Around. At idle, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right. But it should be like 40 or 50 when you're driving, when you're driving around. Yeah. Right, at idle, yeah, 30. Um, I mean, the cars are just so simple. They really are, and the parts are getting cheap. Uh, I had a transmission go like two years ago, and I, I found one on Craigslist for 450 bucks. put it in been racing on it since so it's 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 like it, the cars are just getting so cheap the parts are getting cheap um it's it's becoming a great car to, to race now so yeah. it's it's a great value you know my my first real ride on a racetrack was from my instructor when i did my first track day and he happened to have a c5 so now in my head i'm kind of thinking back that was actually a really really fun ride yeah. if you've never like if you've never been on track before Riding with your instructor in a C5 was a ton, a ton of fun. I just remember having this, like, this uncontrollable smile on my face. Like, as soon as he, like, threw it into the first corner, it was a C5 on, on Hoosiers. Oh, yeah. um, and it was just, I just, I oh, I do remember the transmission tunnel was really, really hot. Yeah. I remember that. Like, I remember almost burning my knee. Yeah. Um, resting against the transmission tunnel. But other than that, it was an awesome, awesome ride. Yeah. So now in the back of my head, I'm like, 
okay, maybe it's time for a Corvette. I don't know. Because yeah. really, if you can find one at that price point, you know, five, six grand, there's really, there's nothing you can touch that's that fast. Yeah, for speed for the money. dollar is pretty, pretty good value ratio there. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to, like, get into, uh, like, a X circle track car, like, you know, a late model or something, and convert it into wheel-to-wheel stuff, but it still comes with different concessions. You know, it's you can't run down and buy suspension parts and yeah, things right. like that at AutoZone if you have to. You know, you can't drive it on the street. Right. There's, there's just a lot of stuff you can't do with it. So yeah. You can't race it in spec Corvette. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. So it, It's really cool to have. I got to tell you, it's really, really cool to have a Corvette race car. Yeah, I've always wanted a true race car, and... You know, the, the, one of the most like the most popular things people say to me when they call about Spec Corvette, they're just like, "Hey, my name is so and so. I heard you guys are starting up Spec Corvette. I, you know, I can't, I can't bring myself to buy a Spec Miata." Let's talk about Spec yep. Corvette. That they're, is like the usually, first thing they say. They're probably usually out of like the Midwest or Texas. Yeah, yeah. Like because I've I've heard that so many times yeah. from from people in Texas or like the Midwest and stuff like that. Like I just can't bring myself can't to get a Miata. I can't right. do it. Yep, you don't have to explain to your your wife's friends why you have a a, a Miata race <laughs> yeah, car right. and why it's so good. You know, you don't have to do that. You can leave the garage door open when you work on it. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Well, I Miatas see. are great track they're, cars, they're so let's not malign them too much. But yeah, 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 yeah. But as long as you get all the lipstick out of it. But yeah, they're not going to have the speed of a of a V8, you know, C5 yeah. Corvette. Right? No, the Super Miatas. Some of the guys were were hauling this weekend. Yeah, yeah. they're incredibly fast cars. Just love the joke with yeah. it, but. I mean, they're extremely capable, but it's just something about, for me personally, yeah. you know, I get so many compliments. E- even this past weekend driving it in an Indio, you know, people just come up to me like, that is awesome. You're, dri- you're driving this on the street? Like, yeah, yeah it's a street car. It, you know, I race it, but I'm racing it this weekend, you know. And uh, That happened that to me, too, when up. I went to that awards banquet. Yeah. I had some guys come up and... I was like, I just really wanted to get to the awards banquet, but you know, it's like they were just so enthralled with the car. I they, they were peppering me with questions about it, and they were just so excited. Yeah, you get thumbs up everywhere. Yeah, yeah I remember doing doing some of my first track days in Texas. You'd watch the Spec Miata race, and it'd be kind of cool. But then, like the American Iron guys, which is a huge, huge class, American Iron and Camaro yeah. Mustang Challenge, they would all race together. And especially like Texas World Speedway, seeing like 40 of those cars come charging down to take the start, VH just like roaring and going like three, four wide down into like into the infield off the banking at TWS is something that that I'll always, always remember. And I think once that Corvette gets to that level of field, I think a lot of other people are going to going to feel the same way about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So... Well, awesome, guys. Where can people find out more about Spec Corvette if they if they want more information, or you know, where can they get a hold of you guys if they want to chat? So uh, we have a website. It's uh, www.speccorvette.com. It has all the details, the schedule for the year, uh, photos of the cars, all the rules. Uh, it has an example build sheet with all the costs that we've come across, um, how much you can sell certain things for. Pretty much everything that you need to kind of get your hands around what this series involves and where we race and the schedule and whatnot. Um, so that's a great resource there. And um, there is a contact us on the top of the page where you could email. Uh, and Oli and I see that directly. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to, to go there. We have a really, really active Facebook page. Um, it's uh, just the Spec Corvette Facebook page. And 
we post things daily, uh, whether it be, you know, tips or driver school or anything that kind of good deals on cars. Yeah, good deals on cars. Exactly. If we, one of us comes across a good deal on a car, we'll post it. And generally they, somebody will go buy it. I better buy one soon because I feel like the prices are going to start going really high. Yeah. Like the the Z06 wheels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And for the, and then for the people that are really super serious about getting involved, like right now, you know, write to us through the website or on, on Facebook or whatever. We have two email lists. We have one email list that is for um, active racers, people that have bought cars and are actively building them or have built them and are racing them. So that's kind of the, the most exclusive list. And then there's another list for uh, people that are interested in spec Corvette racing. Um, and so we can put your name on either one or both of those lists as appropriate. But, um, you know, for the, the interested uh, racer list, it's kind of for the guy that is thinking about doing it, hasn't bought the car yet or hasn't started to build, but still wants to be able to communicate with other drivers. So um, and the reason we have the two is sometimes there's some things we just want to talk about as racers. You know, what's the venue going to be? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a rule change or whatever. And we want to kind of keep that exclusive to the people that have a vested stake in the cars and are actively racing um, as opposed to those that are just kind of still thinking about getting into it. But I can tell you the people on the interested list are the ones that are really, really seriously interested. So anyway, so that's another, you know, kind of a, a, a more private um, communication medium outside of Facebook or the uh, the website. Yeah. So you can just give us a call or, or communicate directly and one of us will answer almost almost instantly on Facebook. So you can message us there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, really appreciate it, guys. I can't wait to uh, to see you guys out at Willow Springs on the 31st, day before Easter. For yeah. what will that be? That'll be round four, right? Round four. Uh, round, round four, four yeah. for yep. Spec Corvettes. Should so. be our biggest turnout so far. So yeah, a lot of the cars are getting done, yeah. and uh, a lot of people are getting their schedule together, and everything's just going to come together. It's going to be a nice race. Awesome. Well, yeah. I can't wait, and uh, maybe we'll check in with you guys there via video and see oh, how the, uh, the drive to the track <laughs> and the whole wheel-to-wheel race and then driving home goes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks, Austin.